20 Schemes is the church planting ministry of Nidri Community Church in Edinburgh, Scotland and Redeemer Fellowship Church in Bardstown, Kentucky. I'm Mez McConnell and this is the 20 Schemes podcast. So we've got Joel Kurtz from Garden City. The Garden Church, sorry. Cut, why do I over, say, no, this over. doesn't get cut. Well, I always thought people just have somebody edit So that. why, what, no, we'll, we'll call it, I'll the get gar- mistaken. Garden City, we, we could be called Garden City. But why do I mistake, is there a... New Jersey. Is that a place? That's a place. It's a state. I've been there. To New Jersey. Okay, yeah. But we're the Garden Church, and we're not in New Jersey. No, you're the Garden Church in, in Baltimore. Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland, where the cookies come from. I don't know. I've wondered that. So in Scotland, they sell these little cookies. Yeah. They say Maryland on yeah. them. Yeah, so they're we're really just good. assuming naively Yeah. that they come I from where you come my from. Kids. So anyway, Joe, you, we met years ago, right? Yeah. At a Nine Marks gig. Yeah, a long time ago. Was it that long ago? Just before the big riot. I met Matthew before I met you. Yeah. So 2012, 2013. When were the big riots? Last ones? 2013? Yeah. 2014? Just around that time. I remember you wrote a piece in Nine Marks, which I thought... Is that when we met? Yeah. It's when you came to mind. I feel like I've known you my whole life. I know. It's a beautiful romance. Romance we've got going on. So anyway, The Garden... Church. The Garden Church. The and um, you also run One Hope. Yeah. So I got that right. You got it. Not the One Hope. Just One Hope. Okay. So tell us about your church and tell us about One Hope. One Hope. So the Garden Church is in <laughs> West Baltimore. TGC, uh, right? TGC. We are the TGC. Yeah. We're in West Baltimore. It's a uh, inner city neighborhood. Um, very similar uh, context to what you might have here in a scheme. Um, poverty I would suggest issues. you are more brutal than ours, to be fair, but go on. Might be, I don't know. In um, fact, you are similar, of, I so would say, like to the favelas in Brazil. 93% of the neighborhoods in poverty. Yeah, so. but with your gun violence and crime? Gun violence, yeah. That's much more akin to when we worked in Brazil. But I'd rather deal with somebody with a gun than a knife. That's true. I heard you had a mach- dude walking around with a machete. Yeah, here the weapon of choice is the machete and the samurai sword. That's scary. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our context. Uh, we've been there since 2008. We constituted as a church in 2012. Um, a couple of years ago, we started One Hope, which is a ministry that is just seeking to plant, revitalize other churches in poor neighborhoods. And how's it going? It's good. It's been very slow. So when we started One Hope, the idea was... Uh, we've we've got this ministry. We've got all of these needs. Uh, we've got mercy ministries that we're doing that are reaching out to the community. We need help. We need funding. And so, in some ways, we started One Hope just to help the Garden Church make disciples in the community. And then, as we're starting One Hope, we realize this this needs to be a much broader foundation than just the Garden Church. And uh, so, it was actually Matthew. He and I sat down, and I was talking through our vision with uh, about one, uh, or with Matthew about one hope, and um, Matthew Spanner Davison. Yeah, you're Matthew. You know, he cried at the recent Downton Abbey film. Did he? I've heard I that. I heard it was great. I think you tweeted that it was great. I don't know if that was you. That was my daughter's. That was your daughter. Also, he doesn't know I know that, and I'm about to destroy him when I see him later. That's amazing. <laughs> Tell me you haven't seen Downtown Abbey. No. Good Downtown. Love. That's why I call it downtown because it upsets Down. the posh people who correct me yeah. and say, do you know it's downtown? Downtown Abbey. So I'd, if it was called so Downtown Abbey, I might Downton watch Abbey. it. Well, that's what I'm hearing and I'm about to uh, 
Yeah. Open up a can of whoop ass yeah. on him. That's that's yeah. That's He's tough. the softer, gentler side of twenty schemes. Right. Right. But you need that. Yeah. We, every. I, listen. I think every church planting movement needs a crybaby. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps, right? Yeah. So Matthew and I sat down some years ago. Did he cry? I don't think he cried actually, okay. but we weren't talking about downtown Abbey. Okay. So. So anyway. We anyway. All I have to say. One hope is the this this mission, urban missions platform to seek to develop train uh, resource ministry. Tell me, how are you doing raising money? Neighborhoods. All right. It's uh, slow. It's coming along. We're getting some churches behind it. So we're. Uh, up until now, we've had about half our budget coming from one supporter. Yeah. And that, you know, it's a limited number of years that that supporter is going to give, and I yeah. think we're in that last year. So okay. All that to say, uh, it's, it's, it's a it's pressure, a though, right? It's a grind. Um, and and we're, we're hoping to plant, revitalize other churches as well. So our budget is going to be ever-expanding as we have opportunities to do so. Right now, we're, we're looking at our first opportunity uh, to potentially replant a church. Which will be where? South Baltimore. Okay, so not, so, not that yeah. far. And I won't, I can't say anything about it publicly yeah, yeah, because cool. it, it might not happen. Yeah, that's but cool. But it's a possibility. We have that all the time. So, yeah. um, Also, very keen on training women, women's gospel workers, yeah, right? Yeah. What is it about that? Well, I think women need to be trained up for ministry. And uh, I will say this, I think in the States, I don't know how it is over here, but in the States, sometimes I'm, a little discouraged by such a heavy emphasis on training up men in sort of our reformed-ish evangelical circles, uh, probably reactionary to egalitarianism, I guess. And I hear pastors say, you know, I'm just all about training up the men. And that concerns me a little bit uh, because we need to train up the women as well. Uh, well, Titus particularly for our context, addresses women. anyway. Yeah, your context our, like yeah, ours, so where the majority would be single mothers. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So... We have a young lady, uh, Stephanie, on staff. Shout out to Steph. Stephanie. A little space cadet. Yep, she's a space cadet. She wrote a great chapter in a book with Shaba. Well, we haven't got the book here. Wish I we wish we did. Book. I was just reading her chapter Did you want to just jump out in. and get a book and come back in? It's worry. excellent. Um, I'm for, what's the book called? I'm forgetting. I think it's called Unforgettable. No. Which is quite ironic. <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Unexceptional, I think. <laughs> I think it's called unexceptional. Which is my interview technique. Unexceptional. <laughs> that is oh, 20 great. schemes Wouldn't branding. Unexceptional. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. Come on, David. Thank you. You, you plug Unexceptional. Yeah. Unexceptional. Cool. And uh, from com. Yeah, ordinary women doing extraordinary things through God. Uh, Stephanie, who wrote a chapter in this, she works with us. Stephanie was, in some ways, when we first started One Hope, she was the beginning of it. I yeah. raised some money, and I brought her on staff, and that's really when we began this, uh, this new ministry within the church to, to seek to kind of broaden the impact of, of the work. So, and she uh, was quite influenced a little bit by our women's director, Sharon, right? Oh, I don't know if a little bit but. would be the appropriate... We love Stephanie, by the yeah. way. So she was influenced a lot by Sharon, aka Shaba. Yeah. Um, so yes. Yeah, so Stephanie, we we don't call her a women's worker as you would here at Twenty Schemes. Okay. We, uh, she's a gospel worker, 
focusing on. I think we call them that as well. I, I just okay. get I, okay. I get all the titles confused. But, but she'll she'll work uh, with men as well. Right. Um, so she does some group things like job training. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's such the felt need in our context is jobs. I yeah. don't know if you have that here. I don't think you do as much. But where we're at, everybody wants a job. Yeah, where we're at, everybody doesn't want a job. Yeah, and so it's a little different. So we're, people are constantly like, hey, man, you know any jobs? You got any yeah, jobs? Yeah. And, and so that was a, a sort of a hole that I put stuff Would in. Would you work with men in a one-to-one -one discipleship situation? No, 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 no. Okay. But more in like a, a broader group context okay. or uh, conflict resolution sort of training, job okay. training job placement. So she, she really meets a lot of felt needs. Yeah, yeah. And then what she does is as she's connecting with individuals, she places them with people in the church, yeah. uh, men with men, women with women who are yeah. going to be doing gospel discipleship, sharing the gospel with them. So I might even meet, be meeting with somebody and I'm trying to walk through uh, the gospel of Mark with him. And he comes in with this big stack of papers, and he's wanting to talk about resumes and all of this stuff he's trying to, trying to get yeah, together, yeah, yeah. getting his ID. So, and so I can kind of use Stephanie to help him sort out some oh, things, kind of like a caseworker. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, uh, and, and she just gets these, she, she's really good at just getting things rolling um, and has a huge impact with the women as well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, personal discipleship with Why ladies in church. Why do you think people from our the theological tribe have been so slow at this with training women? Well, I don't know. I think my guess is it's just, we're always reactionary, aren't we? I, I, think we're, I, I, think I don't know. So. We, generally speaking, reactionary to uh, egalitarianism, probably. That's my guess. I mean, yeah. I, I, we're going to show how non-egalitarian we are by ignoring the women. I mean, I didn't grow up in a culture of Christianity, so that may well be true historically, in America, generationally. maybe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm That's not saying it's guess. not true. I, I honestly but. don't know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think it could just be a reaction to that, and we're going to train up men. To be honest, I wouldn't even call myself complementarian anymore. What would you call yourself? Uh, just biblical. Would, should, I wouldn't call myself anything. Would there be any context when a woman should preach a Sunday sermon? No. At church? Never. You? I mean, I... So you're complementarian, you just don't use no, it. No, I... You don't like the term? No, I, I think the term has been completely lost. Americans, as usual, have ruined Are you everything. patriarchal, authoritarian? I probably would be patriarchal <laughs> on the scale, which is ironic given yeah. I employ more women probably than any church I would so imagine in ex Europe. explain your patriarchy then. So this is the problem, de definitions. So I would have said five years ago, I'm a complementarian, no doubt about it. If we define complementarian as meaning, women can can and should be encouraged to flourish using their God-given gifts in any role within the church except for eldership, past eldership and uh, preaching roles. Okay. Now, that role, that in the current debate, so that, that would have put me patriarchy there, complementarism sort of, Mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. egalitarianism there. Yeah, yeah. I feel that the current debate has moved egalitarianism over here and inadvertently shoved me over to that side. So I'm not, it's not because I've gone there. Yeah. I think they've just suddenly started moving their boundaries and now you've got complementarians yeah. saying, well, it is all right for a woman to preach as long as she's under the sort of auspices of the elders. Well, hang on a minute. Yeah. That's, that's, that's old-fashioned egalitarianism that's killed the Church of Scotland. 
And, you know, yeah. uh, here, yeah. we, here we've seen the... You're 50 years behind us in America in some ways. Yeah. We've seen what that's led to. And so I think I'm probably patriarchy light. Not that I would identify as that, but just yeah, yeah, my yeah. position. I've not changed, but this conversation's changed. Yeah. So what is a complementary? Well, <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm not getting into <laughs> Seems to be anything. But right? I will say this. The, the fact that you train, equip women... Uh, would not put you in the patriarchal camp. But I would, that would be unfair. And, that, and, and, and I'll tell you why. That may be true in your country. In, according to our definition of patriarchal. Yeah, I know good, solid guys who would say, say they're yeah. patriarchal, yeah. but who would, um, would be fully on board with what we're doing here without, yeah. without any issue. I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating... Well, not fascinating. It's just a bit tragic, yeah. the, the term. So that's why I avoid any... So if you spoke to any of my lasses and said complementarian or patriarchalism or egalitarian... They have no clue what you're talking about. They would just be about. like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. just look. We love the Lord. Forget Lords. the definition. Forget the term. There's some, there's some rules here. Yeah. That, listen, the definitions are good to qualify what we mean when we talk to each other at this right. level. Right. But I just think... Yeah. I don't know. It's like the word evangelical now. I look in America and I'm like, well, that, that, I don't even call myself that anymore. Yeah. Not here because it just yeah. it doesn't mean what people think it means. Yeah. I don't know. But at the end of the day, though. You're, you're a bright lad. What do you think? Because you're, you're an American who's lived in the UK for four years. So we use the same word sometimes, but very differently, right? Yeah. You would agree to that. Yeah. But do you think that complementarity as defined by some American leading evangelicals right now, is the same as what we're defining complementary here in the UK? No. So there, there was a podcast a couple of years ago that got a lot of airtime in the States, and it was about church planting. Heard of NPR? NPR did this big secular organization, did this podcast on starting churches for some reason. Okay. Um, and they were talking with a self-declared complementarian who was letting women preach in his church on Sunday. So this went out over the airwaves and caused a lot of... Hmm. This guy was a part of a big church planting network at the time. I don't think he is anymore because he... How would you define complementarian? Uh... This is Ben, yeah. by the way. Ben is, what, what, what do you do now for us? What's your job? 20 Schemes Editorial Manager. So he's our 20 Schemes Editorial Manager. So he's going to be a guy who's going to be very clear on his words and how we communicate them. I can be a bit loose, but would you define it the same way I just defined it? I think the word flourishing is key. Women flourishing yes. with their God-given, in their God-given role, yes. with their gifts under the... Uh, under godly male leadership, yeah, I think it's complementarity, and I think that allows for complementarity to to be used in the home under that definition. So if I'm leading my wife well as a complementarian, then she should be flourishing in the Lord. But why do we need to say the word? Why can't we just say if I'm leading my life well as a Christian man of God? This is what we should be doing. Do you see my point? 
No, I'm I not saying you. the label's unimportant. I'm just saying it's just so crashed. Well, it's like, it's, but it's kind of like Calvinism, isn't it? I mean, it's a yeah, label. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a term that is a nickname for a, a broader movement. But you wouldn't have a Calvinist. So someone saying, "I'm a Calvinist," who would say, "Yeah, I think salvation is ninety percent God, ten percent me," and, and and could still claim to be a Calvinist. But what's happening in America is these guys are saying, well, yeah, no, she can speak under the authority of the elders on a Sunday, and yet they can still keep the name complementarian. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah. who made that rule up yeah. then? Yeah. Where did that rule come from? Yeah. Well, I think there's a caving to culture to some degree with all of that as well. Okay. But the point, though, is we need to be training women. That's where we... I'm all about training yeah. women, as you well know. I'm very yeah. serious. Yeah. And I, and I think there's this unfortunate dichotomy between those who are just abandoning uh, a biblical understanding of gender as it relates to ministry and those who are only focusing on training men and sort of just ignore the women over here. Yeah. Interesting. Tell yeah. me about uh, the race card because that's another thing that's all over the place. Uh, did you see that? There was a thing on internet last night about Tinternet last night about um, that young black lad. I don't know the context of the story, giving some testimony, I think it's some sort of witness statement about, I think, did some white lady, she may have been a police officer, shot his brother somehow? Did you see that? Mm -hmm. And he said he wanted to forgive her and give her a hug and da 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 da. And I thought that was quite a moving thing. I thought, fair play, son. And then I saw an absolute flurry of posts from black guys well-known ones as well, who I follow and follow me, saying, uh, this is just another whitewash and, um, you know, uh, the white man trying to appease his conscience by, you know, forgiveness and this woman didn't get enough time for a crime and all this sort of stuff. Mm. So it's just, and then, and then, and then you've got another black guy coming in going, there you go, another black victim guy, and then it all blew up again. Okay. Man, it is wild out there right now. What's that all about, bro? And as a white guy, I know. I was going to say, Mez, I'm white. Why are you asking me this question? Well, because white privilege, right? Um, no, but it's, you're a white guy working in a majority black neighborhood. And so I'm just fascinated. From my perspective, culturally, it's we have very similar battles, except without the guns. Mm -hmm. But you're a white guy in a predominantly black neighborhood with a predominantly black church. And I just, I just think you have, probably have an unusual perspective, or at least a perspective yeah. that not many of the white guys weighing in have. So what, so what is your perspective when you hear the backlash to dude hugging the woman? Yeah, I hadn't and thought then, it and through. Sort of a so backlash some, some to guys, that of Some guys I respect who were like going, well, hang on a minute. Why are all the white dudes highlighting... It wasn't just all white dudes, but why are all the white dudes going, look, at this is a great act of Jesus' mercy and there's no black or white, we're all one in Jesus stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the black guy's going, well, hang on a minute, she only got 10 years for killing a black man. If a black man had killed a white woman, yeah. you'd be doing 50 years to life. And I'm like thinking, well, that does sound like a legitimate gripe, doesn't it? Yeah. So in that sense, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm sympathetic to the whole context, yeah. but at the same time, that's still a very moving Christian yeah, thing that yeah. that boy did. I don't know. I th seem to be like I feel one like or the other. Here's the, here's the funny thing. All right, you're asking me this question on camera. Yeah. I was talking to a guy on the phone yesterday in the States, and I literally told him last night, I don't talk publicly about this sort of stuff. I don't engage. 
I just gotta, I just gotta kind of sit back and listen, uh, and I'll talk privately. So you don't have to act, engage publicly then. I'm cool with that. But yeah, given the fact that we have cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool if you just want to no, move so it along. Here's my, I'm here, just fascinated. Here are my thoughts. It's fine. I, I just think it's ironic. I think. Um, what do you think is ironic? Just that you asked me this question. Why would you think after that? I told my friend last night that I don't, but I'm happy at I don't this want to point get into social media debates? Because you don't have things. to get into a debate if you want to leave it, honestly, bro. I'm not no, trying to catch you out. I'm, I'm interested. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts. I don't have like a uh, right or a wrong, black and white uh, approach to this. I think one black and white. That's kind of an ironic thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I think. The forgiveness is extremely moving and convicting that that someone and also I think the dude is regenerate just watching the video like it seems like he understands the gospel oh yeah the and even the offense of that it brought is part of the gospel yeah, right yeah yeah so very moving and convicting and it makes me think you know are there people that I need to forgive in my life mm -hmm. um, and and I, I saw also some comments uh, and, and to me, I might be wrong, but it seems like sort of a, man, this is great. However, let's not uh, let, let, let this um, cloud out any injustice yeah. that, that is that's, taking place. That's, that's yeah. a good summary. Another thing that I... Which I would agree with. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Another thing uh, would be maybe uh, a feeling that white people are posting about this but they didn't post about the original shooting yeah, when, yeah, it, yeah. when it took place yeah, yeah, yeah. and cry out against injustice there. So all that to say, I just, I, I don't have any negative, you know, response to that. Um, my, my, my personal feeling is sort of like, let's, let's just, in, uh, let's just relish in the forgiveness that this guy's able to give for a moment and let's just enjoy this moment let me come at the question from another way because i'm not yeah, really yeah. asking for a political comment sure so how we manage as a white pastor in a predominantly black area is do you ever have any problems racially oh yeah 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 absolutely that, I suppose it's what usually a misunderstanding of intention why i'm there um i think initially uh, me my, my presence was a, there was a concern of gentrification and uh, I'm a picture of gentrification for many people. Um, over the years, though, we've established credibility with the neighborhood. People love the church. Uh, many of many of the folks come to the church from the neighborhood. Yeah, it's um, a great church. But there's still, you know, there still can be a question of intentions at times. Um, and uh, like any pastoral ministry, you have to walk with wisdom within your context. Um, but but I love it. I really do. Does race ever come up with your team? Yeah, we talk about race quite a bit. And our church is racially diverse. So we, we have uh, a number of folks who are from the neighborhood. Our church uh, has, uh, is largely African-American. We also have white folks that, that come. And um, so we're regularly having conversations of uh, seeking, to, seeking to understand each other, uh, multicultural challenges where we're missing each other at times, expectations. Um, so we're regularly talking about race. But a lot of the stuff, though, that hits the news, that's not always our conversations. A lot of times, those conversations are being had by people that are really outside of our context. And I was struck, you know, because I've been to Baltimore a couple of times and yeah. hung out with your, your crew, and they've been here and hung out with us, and, I mean, we love each other, right? So this is a, 
And uh, I've been struck by how completely, when I talk to like Montreal and others and stuff, they're like, you're just getting on with it, ministry, mate. Like this, this war has been had on the Twitter sphere yeah. by a lot of people, I think, aren't actually, I'm not saying they're not all, but aren't, I don't appear to be sort of practitioners on the ground where the guys on the front line doing the work are just going, look, let's just roll our sleeves yeah. up and get on with this. Yeah. We're not saying it's not a problem and it's not an area and we shouldn't be discussing it, yeah. but I was just struck when I was at the, the garden church. It's like, yeah, yeah, we, we hear that debate, but you know what? I just, I've got to meet this guy today and decide yeah. and tell him about Jesus. I think the Twitter wars that we see, yeah. th that's a very, very, very small <laughs> percentage of people that are having those conversations yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, you just feel like it's a megaphone, if, isn't it? Yeah, if you're on Twitter it, within the Reformed Christian world, evangelical world, yeah, yeah, they, get, like they, the they go for each other, right? Yeah, but uh, you know, people in our context, they have no clue who any of these people are. And, and likewise here, yeah, someone once asked me, how do you keep your feet on the ground speaking at T4G and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, why don't you come and live in my community for a week? Yeah. No one. Nobody cares. No one, one, no one cares. Two, no one's heard of anybody. Right. Any, so you could have John Piper speak on a Sunday morning. And yeah, yeah. He's just some yeah. American dude that's yeah. preaching. I mean, the Christians would all know who he is. Sure. But no one here would. Yeah. They, they just, they wouldn't bother. Yeah, same with us. He's yeah. just like some Yoda-looking little dude. Right, right. Do you think he sounds like Mr. Burns? Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Burns is his brother. Did you know that? Is it? Yeah, the twins. Wow. Yeah. But he does. He John does. Piper sounds Looks like Mr. Burns. Like Hello. Yeah. I like JP, actually. He's, he, was in, he was in Scotland recently. Oh, yeah. At a, a conference. Yeah, he had a breakfast with the boys. That's good. Gave us some wisdom. Did He's they enjoy a good it? Lad. He did, actually. There's sort of a lot of fanboyishness around. Yeah, yeah. Who's taller, you or John Piper? <laughs> See... There's some pictures out there, but John's laughing. There's some pictures out there that make it look like he's taller than me. But I, I think that's perspective. You know, you get those sort of perspective photos. Okay. He was and standing so, in front of you? Yeah. And so I think, I, think it's, uh, hmm. I think he's actually taller than me. But I did ask him if he was wearing those insteps. You know, you can get those little lifts. And mm -hmm. he, I don't did know. he have them on? He denied it, but... Yeah, he, you're wearing he, yours today. I'm, I'm always got them on. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why you wear a hat, is that right? Because it makes you a little taller. Well, I like to, if I peek it. Yeah. So I just got into trouble for what I wear. Let's talk about this. Okay. I was speaking at a conference. So because you're trying to look cool and edgy, you dress right. the way you dress at uh, that, that, that has been the... To be fair, that's been the accusation. Ligonier have been absolutely brilliant. Nothing. They've been fine. They've got absolutely no problem, and I with them. But the, my tribe again, good old reform boys... Uh, were up in arms that I disrespected the other speakers by dressing like this, and I only did it to emphasize my working classness. Mm -hmm. So, kind of a funny story on this. Uh, at a very conservative college in the States, women were not allowed to wear a V neck, yeah. V cut shirt, yeah. and a young lady did. And the professor uh, asked her to stand up and uh, asked her to go change. And she was refusing. And he said, young lady, what is the V pointing toward, indicating her breast? Yeah. And she said, sir, what is your tie pointing toward? Amen. And what did he Think say? Think about it. He made her leave. and She got in trouble. Now, let me be clear. I'm not, a, people want to wear suits and ties and cool, I'm cool, they think that honours the Lord. But I don't think, if you think that honours the Lord, you can ascribe yeah. sinful motives.
to someone who doesn't wear that. Do you understand what I mean? I, I just find, yeah. and I've struggled with this over the years. I'm just, I just wonder if it's a culturally British I don't, thing. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have an answer for you. I have cool. no clue. Is that a British thing? That, that is, it doesn't have No, it's an things. American thing as well. Who's your association here? Are they Reformed Baptists? Is that your tribe? But with Nidri, historically reformed. I would say reformed. I would say reformed in particular Baptists, theologically, if we're going to get into it. But um, So when you were saved, you were going to a particular Baptist church? Yeah, I was going to an independent evangelical church. Okay. Um, which would I would say was strongly reformed and influenced yeah. down that line, but not, not so strict okay. in that sense. Um, they weren't Sabbatarians. They pretty much were. I remember they used to have a post box outside the church and you, people were like told off if you mm. walked into church and put a letter in it. It's not, not anymore, but yeah. I mean, there, there, there was some... Did you wear a suit at church? Some, yeah. Any for pictures? The, for the first few months of... Thankfully, it was before social media. Yeah. So the, for the first few months, I had an AV Bible and I wore like a shirt and a tie. I had to, somebody went out and bought, I didn't have any clothes, someone bought me a shirt and a tie. Yeah, and this is right after you were converted. Right after, because everybody who saved, that's what they dressed like. You went to Bible college after that? Uh, within nine months I was in seminary, yeah. And was that a Reformed Baptist? No, <laughs> there's no Reformed Baptist. Pentecostal. Yeah, it was, uh, I would say, looking back now, definitely an evangelical charismatic college. You told me once that you destroyed a professor's classroom. Oh, yeah. Threw his computer out the window, I think. No, I didn't. I just smashed the office up. I didn't throw no, anything out the window. Yeah, gotcha. I didn't do anything bad. Why, why did you do that? I can't remember. It was, come on, he's talking 25 years ago. Yeah. I've been a Christian not even a year. He just made you upset. He was annoying. Um, I, I left that room praising the Lord. You thought you did the right thing. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember, I, got, I just got out of prison for yeah. robbery. Why were you praising the Lord? Sit, because I just, you didn't kill him? Yeah, well, I stabbed a couple of guys in the face for less. Yeah. This is what I got jailed so for. So you were able to restrain your anger. Yeah, so I just his smashed his office up. And walked out. And, re and, and we were joking, but it was a serious thing. Yeah. That was a so sign of sanctification. You were in trouble. Yeah, oh, yeah, they called me in a principal's office, and he was like, You just did this. And I'm like, he, He's alive, right? Yeah. I mean, praise the Lord. You, you thought they were bringing you in to praise you. Well, no, I knew I was in trouble, but oh, okay. I, I, you know, our. Views on sanctification. This is interesting. We should let's segue into sanctification. Okay. Because um, how many times do we let an intern fail? Mm. Now we have interns, and I know you. That's you've what got we're dealing with right now. Some yeah. where you've got a guy or a girl. You're on an internship, and I, I won't. I won't name names, but I remember years ago that we had a, someone on an internship, and they joined us. Within, I got a phone call on a Friday night saying, "So and so has been arrested." Like what? Yeah. There's only been an intern about three weeks, yeah. and um, I said, "What for?" Well, they planked someone over the head with a piece of wood or something. But it's a big thing. So anyway, they got bail, they got out, they came to talk to me, and there was a big discussion with the elders of like, "Well, because not, they'd not been saved long." Intern here, by the way, doesn't mean eldership or place of authority. It just means. Someone we're looking out, discipling full-time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they tend to always be new believers. And so we've patterned our internship after yours. Yeah. But when I say intern and say this stuff, sometimes in the States, people think... Nine marks internship. Associate yeah, pastor, totally you know, he's right. out smoking crack and he's still an intern. And so, um, anyway, and it was a big discussion about it. I said, listen, boys, sanctification is going to look very, very different here. Uh, if someone's grown up, 
had violence done to them since childhood, grown up around violence, all they know how to respond is with violence. Coming to Jesus is not going to take away those, those, um, those sort of uh, instinctive mm -hmm. you know, behaviours. And so we're going to have to learn to walk with people. But then where's the line between genuine falling into sin, repenting and get back up again, and this is genuinely recidivistic, yeah. sinful, not looking very repentant behavior. Yeah. It's a real balance, yeah. right? And would you, here's a question for you, would you remove some, somebody from the internship that you would not move into church discipline? Meaning, would it be one and the same? Where, yeah. If, so, as long yeah. as you're still a member, you can remain an intern. Yeah, so we would have that. So some people would naturally come to the end of an internship. So you can't be an intern unless you've been baptized. Yeah, you're a member. Saved into, into membership. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so if it's like a serious, serious issue, yeah. then removal and discipline would happen. Yeah, you know. synonymously. Yeah, but if it's like, look, this isn't going to be for you. I yeah. think you need to get a job. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's no real issue that's true. here. There's a few little yeah. minor things, but yeah. nothing that none of us are dealing with. It's not, a, it's not a membership thing. It's just, let's right, help right, you right. find... And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if it's a yeah. sin issue that you're removing them Well, we for. don't remove anybody for a sin issue. Let me be clear. Ever. We remove people for consistently, persistently unrepentance. Yeah. So let me ask you, if you had a guy, an intern... Yeah. And... Um, you're interviewing me now. I like this. Say it again? I like the fact that you've switched the tables. I told you I was going to interview yeah, you yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um... <laughs> I got you on the race thing, though. That made you nervous. No, we're back now. You've, won it. You've got your background, so let's go. Yeah. Um, a guy's smoking weed. Um, off and on. Yeah. Seems to be fighting it. Yeah. Seems to be fighting it. Um, let's say he's been smoking weed since he was 12. Yeah. As much as I drink water. Yeah. Or whatever's in this. Yeah, water, yeah. And, uh, and, and, so, and now he's actually going... 30 days without smoking weed. Yeah. But then he falls back into it. Yeah. Off and on. What do you do? Is this immediate church discipline? Is this removal from the internship? Keep him on as a member? Is this a, hey, he's making progress, he's smoking less? And it's so, weed. You know, yeah. it's not, we're not talking about crack cocaine or heroin. But weed's illegal, right? But weed is illegal. Right. So Smoking, using an illegal substance. And I, and I, 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 and I wouldn't use that false distinction that at least it's not crack or heroin. It's True. But crack and heroin are more damaging physically. Yeah, maybe so, but so is alcohol. True. And smoking True. cigarettes. It's legal, though. That's the difference. Exactly. And that's Crazy. what, and that's yeah, what yeah, we're yeah. getting down to. Yeah. Also, I think Valium's far more pernicious than weed. Yeah. If it was just weed, that would be like a dream yeah. come true. If I could meet one of my... One of my people that was just smoking weed, it'd be, we'd be high-fiving and having a celebration service. But anyway. You know, weed for us, though, is a big issue. So it's a big a issue for us, but it's not the issue. that it, Weed seems to be the... If I've got to draw up a list of things that these guys are coming with, like mm -hmm. you've said it right, you know, crack, you've got heroin, you've got uppers, you've got downers, you've got, right. you know, you've got the Valium, you've got this, you've got that, you've got... And then you've got weed. Yeah. So I've, I've literally said to people... We've made professed faith in the early days. Um, don't don't give up smoking the weed. Just keep smoking it for now. Mm -hmm. uh, this gets me into trouble as well. And, and they might be a member of your church. 
Uh, they may not be a member at that stage, no, but they've okay. just come to faith, they're coming to the church, we're trying to work out where they're at, what's going on in life. Maybe they've just got off a, I mean, you know where it's around here. Some, I've got guys who've got a 200 pound a night crack habit, right, which is a lot. He was yeah. renting himself out in the town as a rent boy to unbelievably local judges and stuff. But yeah. anyway, he'd been, doing, he'd been doing 200 quid a, a night worth of crack for years. Right, and you don't. We, as we both know, you don't just do one drug. And quid is bucks when bucks, you say yeah, quid. Yeah, so three hundred dollars. Okay, I got you. So, um, yeah, this is the UK now, so we'll talk English. Um, we've been doing it a long time, as we know, right? You don't. These guys don't just come with one drug. It's not like I just smoke weed, or I just do this. There's multiple, particularly if they've been doing it over an extended period. And he came to me and I, he said, I want to give my life to Christ. And we sat down and said, look, what, what are you on? That's always the first question is, what are you on? Once they've lied to you and you find out what they're on. So he was like on his crack. He was also taking antipsychotics because obviously he had severe paranoia. That was legal. Um, he, would do, he would do heroin, you know, cocaine balls, all the usual. And because of his nerves and he couldn't sleep at night, you know, he'd smoke, he'd smoke, he'd smoke weed. He's always helpful on a come down, right? And, and he said, what do I do? I said, look, you've got, you, you're going to have to come off all of it. But right now, if I was you, leave the weed. Just keep smoking the weed. Because you're just about to go through some turkey time. And that's mm -hmm. going to be rough. And you're just going to give up if you have to just go, well... Now, some people can argue against it and all that. And one of my charismatic friends said, you should just have prayed for him to be healed. And yeah. I wish it was that simple, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Um, and so I said to him, no. And so come down by steps and come off it. So you can't come into membership of our church if you are on any street drug. Okay. If you are on prescribed medication, antipsychotics, even Valium, which I'm yeah. always shady which about. Which is crazy because those can be abused. Valium. Be I think Valium is a worse epidemic. Yeah and a worse drug to kick than heroin. Yeah. Heroin is actually a piece of cake, don't believe yeah. the hype, compared to Valium. Would you bring in somebody who's uh, on alcohol, like physically on alcohol? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So again, we had a guy who was drinking 20 cans of super strength lager, a couple of bottles of wine and some spirits a day. And he'd been doing it for 22 years. Yeah. Came along to the church, made a profession of faith. He's dead now. Um, I remember we were going for a church weekend away. And he wanted to come. And um, we had to talk about his elders. And we had a friend who was a Christian doctor nearby. Yeah. And, and I said to her, look, I mean, the church position is no, obviously no. You can't be drinking and being at a church weekend away. It's ridiculous. I think the game might have been the first weekend we came to. And... Um, Went to the doctor and said, look, he wants to come. I'd rather him sit under the gospel and good teaching than just say you can't come. Is there some, can you give him some sort of medication or something just to help him get through the weekend? She said, no, you can't stop him. If you stop him, his body will go into toxic oh, shock. Yeah. He'll be finished. So she recommended we take six. Can you remember this, John? Was it six cans or more? Was it? I can't remember. I think it was about six. She said, she said take six cans of strong lager with you a day. Yeah. Give him two when he wakes up in the morning, two in the middle of the day, and two at night to get to sleep. And he should be fine. Yeah. He should be stable. Yeah. And so we ended up taking this guy 
on our church weekend away yeah. with a series of six packs in the fridge to stabilize him. But he listened, he took it on, he made a profession of faith. Fortunately, like many of them, he wandered back into his lifestyle and was found dead. That's tough. That's uh, yeah, tough. His liver blew out. But um, yeah. did we make the right decision or the wrong decision? Man, I, what do you think? I don't know. I think, I think it's the right decision. I mean, I, I got a lot of heat. It's tough, it. yeah. We, but he, here's what I know. That was about a year before he died. He heard the gospel that weekend. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he was sober yeah. enough to, 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 to and so. Uh, oh, but I, but as a rule, no. Obviously, no. If you are going out getting drunk, if a member of my church is smoking weed, right, they, and they're unrepentant about it, right. they are going, right, to have to, you know. We have a process. They'd yeah. be challenged. Everybody has a one-to-one -one disciple. They'd be challenged there. If it's not there, two would Matthew 18, yeah. two would go along. If not there, they'd come to the elders. If not there, they'd go to the church. Yeah. They'd be on a process. And we're We'd, talking about sanctification here. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I think there's got to be some sign of sanctification. Yeah. Even if there is a continual struggle at some level. But what does sanctification kind of need in order to prove itself? It needs time. Yeah. We live in an instant generation. Sure, sure. Like, they've come to faith. Well, they better clean up. Yeah. And hang on a minute, that, that's not even... Yeah. So one of our interns recently, uh, about a month ago, confessed to me that he's been using. Yeah. And, and I, I knew he was. Um, and it was something he'd struggled with off and on. Uh, started using again as an intern. Weed? Member of the church. Just weed, yeah. Weed, but I think it might be laced. I think they're lacing weed with stuff in Baltimore. Yeah, because it's causing guys to nod out. What's it called here? That spice is that yeah. we call it spice here. People just zonk out in the yeah, street. Yeah, They're yeah. like zombies. Put a little fentanyl in it. Yeah. Anyway, so he's still an intern. He's got thirty days clean as of last Monday. Yeah. And uh, we're just walking with him, you know. And so I see that as evidence of conversion, sanctification in his life that he has but, the Holy Spirit. But, but binges are the most difficult. Oh yeah. Because what you get with a binger, we had a laddie here. Well, that's how people die. Who um, would stay clean for a year. Right. And in turn, then go nuts. You go missing for five days. It's fine. You'd be comatose, arrested somewhere yeah. in a cell. Then you're, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm repentant, I'm repentant, I'm repentant. Yeah. Submit to what we said, you know, stay clean, do this, read the yeah. Bible, see you want one guy, stay clean for 10 months, bang, go off, have a blowout. And so yeah. this went on for about four years. He was a member and also an intern for a couple of years of that. In the end, of just because of the period of years and the pattern, we just said to him, one, he wanted to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a brilliantly gifted preacher. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And I said to him, I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm saying is you don't have the, there's, there is a character default, default uh, fault. There's a fault within your character, and it seems like we worked out under any kind of pressure or stress, yeah. you have a you have a major you, you just you, you just can't seem to cope with life. I'm not saying yeah. you, not saying not saying I'm not saying you can't even be a member of this church, but what I am saying is, you can you, I don't think you'd be, ever be suitable for ministry while yeah. this goes on. Yeah. And we observed it over a period, and unfortunately, as many of them do, he left the church and yeah, it's tough. And I think he's. Yeah, I won't even tell you, but it's not one of the tragedies. Yeah. But, um, well, working you just with, have to make these, these yeah, calls, Yeah, and working man. with folks who have addiction is so difficult, incredibly difficult. Yeah. And one thing that we've learned 
and we've learned this partly from you guys, is the importance of having people live with us so we can model yeah. a life without substances, that you can live without addiction. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys have never seen that modeled. Yeah. They don't know that you can live without these, these substances. And, uh, and I know you guys have, you, you do the same thing. You bring guys into your house. Yeah. Intentional living is a big deal. Look, it's massively important, and that goes back to the model of discipleship requiring our communities requires a huge amount of time yeah. and input. Yeah. And in many ways, the modern evangelical, particularly Reformed church, does not have a model of discipleship that can adequately cope yeah. with how we do it in those yeah, numbers. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this to a close because it, it's time, John, right? It's about time. But it has been good and fascinating, bud. That's and he's going to plug... This book, Sharon Unforgettable. Un exceptional. <laughs> it's unforgettable, though. Excellent book. Let me have a look at it. Yep. So I should have a look at it. I know it. So Unexceptional. You can get it from uh, 10 of those publishing. Support the work of 20 Schemes. Support the women's ministry. It is a chapter, a uh, different chapter from a different woman around the world in a different context. My wife's actually written a chapter. Yeah, I noticed that. I haven't read it yet. The church planter's wife and how happy she is in it. Um, good flourishing. Flourishing. She's flourishing. Good stuff, and it's like stuff like when, when, when ministry doesn't go a plan. It's not all just, you know, chocolates and roses. This is a really good, helpful book, and I'm really glad it's out. Thank you for your time, bud. Thank you. You're a geese. You are the geese. We could have we done five of these on different topics. Let's do another one. We should do it. So if do I get it in Baltimore sometime. Let's do it. Right. Get your little posse in. That would be good, actually. That would be fun. With these conversations, we're trying to expose some of the issues we experience in our ministries. We hope that with honest and frank conversations, we can begin to open up on some of the hard realities of church planting and revitalization in schemes and council estates around the UK. In fact, even around the world. In this spirit, these conversations will be published completely uncut.